You are listening to the I Want to Speak to the Principal podcast with your host, Dr. Michael Milstead and William Jeffrey. It's where education is. So sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of I Want to Speak to the Principal. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed during this or any broadcast belong solely to our guests or our hosts. These broadcasts do not represent or reflect the views of their employers, sponsors, or affiliated organizations. Over the upcoming weeks and perhaps months, millions of K-12 students and teachers will transform from traditional face-to-face classroom instruction to online learning. The adjustment will not be easy. The COVID-19 virus is demanding that school systems across the world change how instruction is being delivered. The change will create a myriad of innovative and creative educational opportunities and equally as many unprecedented challenges. In today's episode of I Want to Speak to the Principal, We'll explore the impact of COVID-19 on blended learning. Our guests today are Mrs. Valerie Lewis, School Administrator, Mrs. Stacy Boudry, Technology Coordinator, and the distinguished Dr. Allegra McGrew, Regional Technology Director. So sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of I Want to Speak to the Principal. I would like to welcome Stacy Boudry to our show. Hello. I'm so excited hey. to be here. Thank you for having me. Hey, Stacy. This is Mike Milstead. Nice to meet you, Dr. Milstead. Stacy, tell That's our right. guests a little bit about yourself. Well, I am currently an instructional technology coordinator of a small rural district. We service about 2,000 students. And so I've been doing this role for almost three years. And then prior to that, I worked in a much larger district where I was a uh, had multi-hats over the years. I did that job for a little over 15 years where the last title was digital learning specialist. And we serviced our entire district with digital learning. And so I was able to work with all the way from kindergarten, all the way up to 12th grade. And then prior to that, I was a classroom teacher. Yes. And you also were a digital learning specialist that came into my classroom. You were one of the reasons why I was able to get out of the classroom. You came in and did some stuff with Google, the Google tools. And I was definitely impressed with you guys. And I appreciate you for helping me get out of the classroom and move to the administrative role. Yes, I remember that very well. It was a lot of fun working with your kids. I think that was kind of my first experience with high school or very close to it. And honestly, I've really grown to love the high school and middle school students. And so I'm, I'm thankful I had those opportunities as well. And I'm also thankful that that led us to become co-workers for a little while. So you told me a lot of great stories about when you guys worked <laughs> together and how you got him out of classroom. And I tell you, I for one know that he truly appreciates uh, you being able to help him transition to good administrative role. I like to say he speaks very highly of you at all times. Well, thank you very much. I, I've been blessed to work with Will. We really push each other and help each other grow. In fact, Will was the reason I went back to get my master's, and I am so thankful I did. 
I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it so much. Maybe one day I'll get my doctorate as well. We'll see. There I might go. make him go there with me. There you <laughs> go. Well, they say Iron Trump is there, so you got to get it together. So, Jason, so what pitfalls should administrators look out for as they're transitioning to digital learning? The, the biggest pitfall that I see are expectations. We have certain expectations for certain people. So, for example, we just expect when young teachers come out of college, they have that experience. They're very comfortable with digital learning and they're ready to roll with it as a teacher. And many times that's not true. They are used to using it as a tool and also a lot of times they're used to things like apps and not so much the learning side of it and how you use the tool in a curriculum environment. Another I see is almost on the opposite spectrum and that is with digital natives. Again, we just think, oh, you grew up with technology, so you, my students, shall be able to do all these things with technology, including knowing how to use Google, knowing how to use the different tools, knowing how to create a Google document. And none of those, a lot of times those are not true. I find when I have to do the trainings and even just as recently as this year and, and moving on to next year, I will be, I always train every single student the very basics, how to create a folder, how to create a Google Doc. They don't even know a lot of times, like truly, what is the cloud? And I might get one or two kids the whole day teaching, a whole, you know, 120 kids. I might get one or two kids that really know what the cloud is. So I think it's really important that if you're, if you're transitioning to digital learning, you've got to make sure that you're covering your bases and you're um, providing the training that your learners and your teachers are that need to be successful. Because if, if they don't have that background and that knowledge, they're going to get frustrated and want to quit. Well, Stacey, in this interview, we're practicing social distancing. And so I am standing here in my office with my hands raised asking, what is the cloud? What is, so maybe after we <laughs> complete the sentence, you, you give me a short lesson on that also. Might, might have to give you a little lesson on that, huh? There you go. <laughs> and you're not the only one. I mean, it's, it's where the rain comes from, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stacey, my question is, what's the difference between teaching online and blended learning? I see blended learning as a, or excuse me, I see digital learning or teaching online a piece of the blended learning, or it could be potentially the piece. So blended learning is when you're taking different styles of learning, whether it's paper and pencil, whole group, small group, or online, those are different pieces or, or points of blended learning. And so when you think about digital learning or teaching online, that uh, looks a little bit different. Now you're not face-to-face anymore. And we, we just talked about having to do our social distancing. Well, now we're quickly learning overnight how to teach our students from a distance. And that becomes hard. And one of the things we have to do is we have to engage our students. We, When we create lessons, we have to be more to the point. We have to be a little more entertaining. Um, I think it's also really important that students not only hear your voice as you're giving them a lesson, but they see you and that you're checking in on them and that you're, they can see your face. It's just so important. I mean, the, the research shows that students prefer videos from their teachers than maybe videos, let's say, from Khan Academy or YouTube. Or I'm not saying those videos don't have their place, but it's really important that we find ways to keep our students engaged and the delivery methods are very important. They have to be something that's interesting to the kids. I also think with online learning, we have to do things a little differently. It's a little less traditional, you know, like I, this week my, my, my kids had to do a scavenger hunt. They had to go outside. I know this isn't digitally learning, but you can do a scavenger hunt online. And they loved it and they had so much fun and I shared it on Facebook and my friends were like, oh, you must share the scavenger hunt with me. So we have to make sure that we're providing our students with 
lessons that they want to do and not just because they're looking at their teacher and their teacher's making them. It has to be engaging and entertaining for them as well. So Stacey, what do you think is the most effective way of keeping students engaged while online? I find that there's three different ways that are really important, like my top three, not necessarily in this particular order, but they're some of my top three. And the first is expectations need to be clear to the point. And I covered that a little bit in the last question, but I want to give a little bit more detail. So for example, if you're creating a video, you want to make sure they're short. I say less than five minutes. My preference is two to three minutes. And research shows that we tend to taper off. And if it's a two-minute video, almost 100% of the people will watch the entire video. You start going higher and the, the percentage starts decreasing. But what's interesting is you can have three or four three-minute videos and they're completely interested and they'll sit in that vortex for a little while and go video to video. Keeping ourselves to the point and making sure our videos are clear and easy to understand. Another one that I think is important is the students need to see you. And so you need to make sure that at some point you're pulling yourself into the video. You might even do something fun. I, I watched a, a, a teacher friend of mine who lives now in Spain. She did a whole thing. She teaches third grade. She did this whole thing with a bear. And so she pulled this bear in to keep you entertained. And I think that that's important for the students and that they hear your voice. They're used to that and they like that. Right. And then the last, I think, is the clear and precise instructions and directions. So if you're giving an assignment online, you have got to give very detailed instructions. And with us switching over to online learning, I'm seeing teachers who are struggling with the digital online teaching, and they're not putting in detailed instructions. They'll throw up a YouTube video themselves talking, but simply simple things like step one, watch the video. Two, open the Google form. Step right. three, submit the Google form, you know, that kind of thing. Being clear in your directions, I think, is, is very helpful. So those are my top three that if I think if you get those things down, then, then the rest should fall, go much more smoothly. Well, I tell you, you think you've just given us the blueprint then for engaging students in the digital environment. That's fantastic. Thank yes. you, Stacy, for sharing that. Stacy is a pro. I tell you that much. Ms. Boudry, I would like to thank you for taking the time to be on I Want to Speak to the Principal. Again, you are a welcome guest. We hope to have you on again. Please. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Also, you have created some resources, really gaining a following on Facebook. Can you share our listeners can get in touch with you? Yes. I try to keep everything the same. Every, every If you're searching for me on Twitter or those places, you're going to look for Stacey BTX. So that's S T. A-C-I-E, be like boy, and then T-X like Texas. It's just important for me to have everything similar. It's easier for people to remember. And one of the new resources that I've created on Facebook, I was trying to find a way, how do I reach the teachers uh, that it goes directly into their, you know, to them. And Facebook just seems like the place to go. And so I created a Facebook page called Teaching Purposefully with Technology. And this one here is where I share all sorts of resources that I find or I create that are specific to teaching with technology. And again, this one is just facebook.com slash BTX because I want to keep it the same. <laughs> you are a master of branding. I've learned my ninja branding skills from you. And I want to just thank you for being a master sensei. <laughs> I love it. Oh, well, That's I love good. it. Yeah. Me up. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. I loved it, and I'm happy to do it anytime. This is this was really fun.
You are listening to the I Want to Speak to the Principal podcast with your host, Dr. Michael Milstead and William Jeffrey. It's where education is. So sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of I Want to Speak to the Principal. Good afternoon. I would like to welcome a very special guest to our show, Ms. Valerie Lewis. Valerie, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm so glad to be on this episode of Speak to the Principal. And we're glad to have you. This is Michael Mills, and I just want to say, hey, it's such a pleasure to have you on our show. I've heard and read a lot of great things about you. We are just uh, so excited that you have taken time out your very busy schedule to be with us today. Thank you. No, I'm humbled and I'm honored to be able to speak with the both of you this evening. Thank you for considering me as your guest. We know you and know of you. Can you explain to our listeners who is Valerie Lewis? (laughs) <laughs> well, look, I'm a girl from around the way. That's it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm relatable. I'm down to earth. Nothing fantastic about me. I'm just a, a person with a big heart. I'm passionate about education in this space, relationship building with people. I've been in this education arena for about 20 years now. It's the work that I've known that I've always wanted to do from probably kindergarten Mm. and I stuck true to that now I'm overseeing special education and foreign language teachers and supporting them in that capacity I'm a wife I'm a mother of three joy ed tech but most importantly I enjoy community and giving back yes and I'm gonna toot your horn a little bit more you also was on the board with me of ed speakers I met you through Shelly Terrell we were you were leading a group of international teachers i saw you on the international stage at ISTE. i think it was 2018 you were being interviewed by i don't remember who but what you said was so powerful it stuck with me you said teachers need to stop saying i'm just a teacher you're much more than that and i was like man that's deep i'm, I'm gonna steal it <laughs> i'm gonna steal it you right. are part of the Passoscope edu branding you cover major events like you are much more than what you have given us <laughs> and that's that's humble you know we all wear multiple hats in this education space and you know it's 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 the work that I think the Lord has given many of us to do. And, you know, I try not to tally them and number them. I just try to make sure that I accomplish what he asked me to do. Well, Valerie, as you know, we're in a pandemic across the world now with the COVID-19. Families are having to adjust in many different ways. You chime in on how is your family adjusting to the daily routines of being out of school? You know what? This transition has actually been pretty smooth, believe it or not. We are a close-knit family here of five. We do everything together. So being in close quarters with each other is almost the norm for us here in this household. So it almost doesn't even seem different except for, you know, we've reduced the opportunities of eating out, which financially can be a blessing because it's going to put some money back into our account. But it, it has allowed us to look at learning almost in a different way. And I think kind of gotten us back to some of the basics, some of the things that truly matter. Um, families spending that time together, being able to really supervise and monitor You know, what my kids are doing online, having those conversations that sometimes during the week, 
you know, you kind of cut short because everybody's fatigued or tired or running to do a podcast or a PD and made us slow down. And so the adjustment, I think, for us is just recognizing those things that are truly important that that really matter. Val, I know that you are a spokesperson for a lot of different Voxer groups. Specifically, Teacherpreneur is a chat that I know that you run. Also, the Pass the Scope EDU brand which has several major educators across the United States do a lot of blended learning. You can share with our listeners, what are some of the resources that you can share to help them support a healthy blended learning environment? Absolutely. So I would tell you just within these past two to three weeks, the ones that stand out the most for that blended resource or blended learning resources, I would say Google Meet for video conferencing, Microsoft Teams, and Zoom. I've been seeing teachers that when I say have been uh, heavy, just pretty much be baptized by fire and jump in and are getting innovative with course team planning. They are continuing with the delivery of instruction. This is not just a time to fill in some activities with some worksheets or hope someone sends me some links. Those three resources there have really, I think, pushed us to look at education through a different lens. So once again, that's Microsoft Teams, that's Zoom, and that's Google Meet for blended learning. So students can still work at their own pace during the offline moment, but then these platforms have changed the game for administrators still getting together, principals holding school-wide faculty meetings, course teams, department chairs, and then teachers just being able to continue with delivering the instruction with their students, doing check-ins, read-aloud stories. I think that those those three there are kind of leading the way from what I've seen just within these past few weeks. Valerie, our American education system has been blessed, I guess you would call them seasoned teachers, teachers that have been around quite some time and have been very successful in their delivery of instruction. But this new online thing is causing them to kind of have to change the way that they're doing things. We found that some are reluctant to use video or any other new tool in instruction. Now, what should be the expectations of administrators for these teachers? Absolutely. Great question. So with any tool, we have to remember that anyone, no matter where they fall on the spectrum, seasoned teachers to the brand new teachers coming out, they're still learners themselves. We have to be able to provide the right level of support for them, whether that is us modeling it, us taking the time to be patient enough to not inundate them with so many tools. I know that, you know, we're looking at Facebook groups online and, you know, Voxer groups and Twitter, and you just see it literally every hour on the hour. People are shooting out this tool, that tool, this resource, that resource, and that can be very overwhelming to someone that, you know, just has, has not had that as their practice. So I think as an administrator, we have to go in there just recognizing that not everyone's going to have the same mindset and that that transformation is going to look different from learner to learner. So being able to provide them with those handouts, those resources that say, here's how you do it. Here's how it's beneficial. Here's the outcome. Here's, you know, some of the results that we've seen and then being able to model it. So if, I, if I'm going to hold a meeting 
Well, I'm going to hold a meeting in that Zoom session. And then when we come off that call, I've got that teacher sending me an email saying, now that tool that we were just in, is that something I can use for students? And that's your way in and being able to provide them with that opportunity. I think many buildings have your tech support team that is there, your LSTCs that also can provide that support on the instructional side. You've got instructional tech coaches that are in the building. So utilize the experts that are all in the room to allow those teachers to have that ability to become comfortable. I think once we get that comfortability, that mindset starts to open up and then you'll see a little less resistance but patience is the key and continue to support those teachers and don't expect them to be using all the tools just let them know focus on the one thing that you think you'd like to learn master it conquer it become good at it and if you want to pick up another one then move forward at your own pace well, I tell you what, I, I'm honored to mentor several assistant principals, and you gave three very powerful examples. You said that in order to kind of deal with the teachers that may be somewhat reluctant in today's technology, that you must model that, you must also be patient with them, and you're going to support them. I think those are three very powerful attributes that, that you can have when you're dealing with those types of teachers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. As always, Valerie, you have dropped so many nuggets. Um, I love talking to you. I like keeping up with you online. I listen to the Voxer group, even though I have not participated in months. But I'm just, you know, I'm just always impressed with high quality PDs, links that you guys share. I'm really, truly impressed. Absolutely. You know, learning, learning happens at your own pace. And that's one thing I never want people right. to feel guilty for not being an active participant at all times as long as you put a toe in and you dibble dabble here and there that's all right and um you know life happens and this is a transformation period for a lot of educators you know there are promotions happening on every end i'm you know dr will and i dr will jeffrey you stepped into the administrative role so with that comes great responsibility and so you have to prioritize the support that now you have to give to other people so never be apologetic for not being able to be all things well in all spaces you got to prioritize that list master that but as long as we know you're alive and well the light is always on and that's all that matters amen Amen. be all things well in all spaces yeah. Did, did I quote that correctly? All right, you got that, Will? Dropping nuggets. That's going to be the topic of our next show. <laughs> anyway, thank you for thank thank you, Val. We appreciate that. Just going to say, I just wanted to thank her so much for the invitation for us being on Pasco BDU yes. on last Monday. I had a blast. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, just listening to some of the other speakers, you had some dynamic guests on also. And I learned a lot from them. So thank you so much for actually, you know, laying out that platform where we can share ideas and practice. Thank you guys for the work that you're doing in this space and amplifying the voices of many in education. Just giving me a seat at the table to be able to speak to the principal today. I appreciate it. <laughs> for you. Hey, let me just also give a shout out to Dr. Will, because we always get mixed up some way or another. But <laughs> <laughs> shout out Dr. Will. And Dr. Will show his podcast is doing really well too. That's right. That's right. Well, 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 Val, I am trying to get uh, 
William Jeffrey to go yeah. back and uh, and work on his doctor's degree. So we can start calling him Dr. William J. Doc, there you go. Uh, Dr. Will J. Dr. Will, Will J. J. There, there you go. A, there you go. There'll be a distinction there. I'm, I'm going to turn on the music right yeah. now. All right. Well, nice having you all, man. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. Luck with, good luck with that doctoral program. Yes. I'm, I'm not there yeah. yet, but good luck in yeah. God's peace. Tweet, tweet, chat with us on Twitter. Be sure to share the podcast on your favorite social media channels. Want to see some more of us? Head over and meet us on Instagram. Speaks of Christmas, delighted to have with us today Dr. Allegro McGrew. Dr. McGrew, how are you today? I am doing well, Dr. Milstead and Mr. Jeffrey. All right. Good. Dr. McGrew, we are honored and we certainly appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule to be on our show today. Thank you for having me. Dr. McGrew, just so that we get you acquainted with our audience, tell us a little bit about yourself. Currently, I serve as the Director of Publishing and Digital Learning Solutions at Region 4 Education Service Center. Previously, I served as a campus level and district level administrator, a specialist, classroom teacher, and a university adjunct professor. And you also served as my first boss of digital learning. <laughs> you are absolutely right, Will. One of my favorite positions where I met you and when I was a campus level administrator, I had the privilege of working with Dr. Milstead. Yes, we did. We had a very dynamic team and I want to just also uh, have you on the air just kind of publicly. Thank you for all your support in my first year as a high school principal. Anytime I needed any information, I know I could depend on you to give me exactly what I needed, Dr. McGrew. So thank uh, you so much. You were very welcome. We were an awesome team. Yes, we were. Okay, yes, the time's were. out. Now, hold up now. <laughs> we got to claim the fame on that team thing, Larry, because you know good and well, uh, Dr. McGrew, that we you called us Team Awesome. Like, don't get it twisted. It was 12 you, you, of us. You were absolutely, you absolutely Team Awesome. That yes. was probably one of the strongest teams that I have <sighs> ever had the pleasure of being a part of. And, well, you played an amazing part on that because wow. you did such a wonderful job on your campuses. And I think we all learned a lot from each other. Yes, you are great. That was a great, was great remix. I like how you remixed that up. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So let me start off with the first question. Dr. McGrew, how has the country's new focus on education impacted digital learning? I think that's such a great question, Will, because I think that this focus has been an opportunity to showcase the, the way that so many of those digital tools and resources that we who've been a part of digital learning know full well. We know that these tools can be used for great instructional purposes. Those of us who have been advocates of instructional technology and then remember once it was educational technology and now it's digital learning. This area, it has come such a long way and the perception of it has shifted dramatically over the years. I remember back when I started teaching, it was viewed as a treat on Fridays, or it was something that teachers would use as a punishment once you misbehave. But now, when you walk in the classroom, you see that technology is being seamlessly integrated into classroom instruction to support those curricular needs. We know that it's being used to support the needs of our specialized student populations. It's being used to teach the populations of students that are now the ones that we have 
And these are those kids who have never known a world without accessible technology that was right in the palm of their hands. But honestly, I'm exceptionally hopeful that anyone that had challenges understanding how beneficial digital learning can be will walk away from the COVID-19 experience with a clear understanding of the way that the digital tools can be used to provide an avenue for personalized learning, that they'll be aware of how digital tools and resources foster student engagement, and then they're able to really experience how digital learning can support those four C's, you know, our communication, our collaboration, our critical thinking, our creativity. And even we can't forget that fifth C, which is that computational thinking. How can digital learning be used, be extended, that is, to support our special need populations, uh, such as our ELL, ESL, and special education students? I think that the key to this is what uh, every educator already knows and has an awareness of, and that's honestly that there's no one size fits all. So just as the teacher is mindful of this in the traditional classroom and make sure that there are tools and practices in place to support not some students, but all learners in the same way, this happens in the digital environment. So the best way that we can support our, our subpopulation students is to share the available resources with our educators and with our parents. And the really great thing about this is that companies are aware of the need to build in accessibility and translation features. And you'll find these in Google and Microsoft and Apple. And on top of this, if you think about it, the nature of digital learning is a natural fit to support and provide the things that we often find in IEP. I think about when we have some of those common accommodations, our changes to how a student learns the content, changing the way that information is presented, like allowing a student to listen to audio rather than read plant material, or changing the expected response, such as allowing a keyboard to type instead of writing it by hand. Even changing the setting, as allowing a student to take a test in a separate room with few distractions, one of the best methods for online learning, changing timing or scheduling, providing extra time on the assignments for students that process that information a little bit differently and need more time. All of these things that, that I just mentioned, they can be accomplished using digital tools like learning management systems or the tools embedded in many products. And the great thing about this is that no one's looking at that student's work wondering why their work looks differently. We're not physically removing them from the class on test day or quiz day. They're working right alongside of their peers and they're receiving the personalized learning experience that will support them to do their very best work. And we know this because we leverage these tools supported to us remove those barriers that would negatively impact the building. I agree. I think uh, anytime you have the opportunity to have students feel that they're not isolated from the general population and actually that they're doing the same work as all the other students in the classroom, you can't help but uh, promote uh, more motivated and focused uh, and confident students. Absolutely. You are spot on with that. Spot on. What are some of the best practices we can do to support parents as they step into the role of an educator during this COVID-19 situation? Well, I think that's the best way that you can support parents is to find a balance. You know, we want to provide them with the information they need to support instructional continuity, but we don't want to overwhelm them. Uh, the reality is, while we have a fair amount of our teachers that are also parents and can do this uh, in their sleep, who are doing and excelling with us wonderfully, we also have parents that are not teachers. Do they want to do the very best that they can? They absolutely 100% do. But this is all very new to them in so many ways. 
And so we, as educators, we have to make sure that we're providing the resources to support their success. But we also have to be patient with them. Are they going to get frustrated? Absolutely. I mean, think about us. I'm not a teacher that's not ever gotten frustrated. Mm. No. But generally, we get frustrated because we want to do the very best that we can. And if we feel like we've missed the mark, we feel like we're not doing everything that we can to ensure that that learning takes place, that is frustrating sometimes. And so patience, 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 being supportive of them, providing them with the tools and resources they need, and just encouraging them to be kind to themselves. That's very good. But do you think we're asking too much of parents? I so this is an exciting time in our field, Will. I mean, we have school districts that are actively partnering with their parents in a way that many of them have never done before. And is this challenging for some parents? Absolutely. We understand that. We fully acknowledge that. But we must always remind ourselves of the most important component of our educational process, and that's supporting our students. Our desire is to make sure that we're preparing our students for college, career, military, whatever their next steps are. And in order to do that, we have to come together. I saw a hashtag that I think is so very appropriate right now, and the hashtag is better together. And I truly, truly, truly believe this, and I truly think that the challenges that we've been presented with will serve to strengthen us as well as the students that we are entrusted with serving. You know, what am I in my new capacity in central office, a parents that I work with now that I had not worked with in my previous capacity as a building administrator is those foster home parents. My mind immediately kind of went to them because I'm seeing some of the challenges that they're having uh, instruction of their kids where they're having to bring in multiple grade levels of kids at one, students at one time and try to teach them. But I just want to send a big shout out to all foster parents and group home parents. You guys are doing an excellent job when you change the online instruction. I just want to encourage all of them to, for those who are listening, to keep up the good work. Absolutely, absolutely. And and they're doing it. And they're yeah, they are. Because, because they care. Yeah. And they're right. doing it because they want to be with that for their kids. Right. And that's, yeah. that's the heart and soul of, of yeah. everything that educators, parents, administrators, all of right. us are coming together for that singular purpose and that yeah. students. Exactly. Yeah, I was speaking with a foster parent today, and she was telling me how the COVID-19 has even brought her to bring her back to her school days. And as I was <laughs> saying, what she's doing is that she has a, she, she's actually instructing because she has 14 kids in her facilities, and they're ranging from ages 8 to 17. And so what she's having to do is to have instruction time between 10 a.m. and uh, 1 p.m. every day. And so what she's doing is she's having to place the kids in what we call cooperative learning groups. Mm-hmm. And also they're having to share uh, share the technology because they only have three laptops and like I said, it's 14 kids. And she's trying to manage that. Uh, and, you know, and she's doing a great job. And one of the things that I appreciate what she's doing is that she's asking for assistance. When she's having a problem, she's either calling me or calling the school, me, you know, making sure that the kids are, are receiving the proper instructions. Again, I want to say a big shout out to foster care and all the group home parents. I'm handing out technology as people come through our district. And there are a number of grandparents who are now tasked with the responsibility 
of teaching right. their students and getting online, which is totally different for them. You know, some right. of the some of the grandparents think that and this is not a bad thing, but thinking that writing in cursive is important for those kids to learn and why they're using a computer. The fact that these kids are moving into the digital age, the computer age is, is over. And the digital age is almost over. We're moving into augmented reality, virtual reality. That is going to be those yes, those are. children's future. And so, you know, it's my heart goes out to any grandparent, any non-traditional parent that's stepping up, especially during this time and trying to help educate students because this is an uncertain time for those kids. 60% of the jobs for second graders haven't even been created yet. That's a that's a daunting, that's even inconceivable where these kids will be working and how they're going to be working. And this shift, this mind shift that we have going on right now is going to just change a lot of different perspectives that we have going on right now in education. Okay, Dr. McGrew, we want to thank you for being on our show, giving us thank time you to for share. Having me. Yes, and me and Dr. Milstead is going to have to fight over who had the better team. I'm just telling you straight up. Uh, I, you know, I think that they were both the best teams in their own special way. There you go. Dr. Milstead, you got the best team. There you go, Doc. I, 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 well, I tell you, man, one of the things I've always admired about you is how you can take situation and just discretion yes. in your language and make sure make everybody, make everybody all feel the children. She make all make, the make, children make, feel make good. Make everybody feel important. There you go. Uh, <laughs> even the even the William Jeffries of the world. She. Uh, oh, oh, some of my favorites. <laughs> oh, Doctor McGrew, thank you again for coming on our show. Thank you, Doc. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at I Want to Speak to the Principal. You can also leave us a message on Anchor, and all those voice notes can be played into our next episode. So please interact with us. We're looking forward to hearing from you.